What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. I am your host of the day, Corey Mueller, based in the Warrior Workshop in Canyon City, Colorado. Today, we have a very special guest on, my dear old dad, Mr. Kevin Mueller, the owner and operator of the Blue Swallow Motel in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Today, we talk about how this man went from a corporate lifestyle slaving away for the man to running his own business and the road trip that determined it all. So we hope you enjoy this episode of The Weekly Warrior. All right, so here we have Mr. Kevin Mueller, my dear old dad, as our guest today. Um, how are you today, Daddy-o? I'm, I'm fine, boy. <laughs> so uh, really excited to, to have you on uh, the Weekly Warrior podcast this week. I'm excited um, to be here. I want to start us off by letting you introduce yourself, the, the whole who, what, where. So who are you, what do you do, and where do you do it? Uh, well, as uh, as you've already said, I'm Kevin Mueller. I am in Tucumcari, New Mexico, where I am part owner, along with my wife, Nancy, of the historic Blue Swallow Motel on Route 66 in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Excellent. That is, uh, as, as we both know, it's quite the journey. So I, yes. I'm, um, I'm hoping that you can start us off with... Uh, a little bit of context, uh, some basic history with Route 66 and the Blue Swallow Motel. Well, uh, a little bit of background. Route 66 goes back to its uh, start in 1926 when the US, first U.S. highway system was laid out and uh, established. And Route 66 uh was a collection of other roads and connected small towns. And it went from Chicago to Los Angeles and uh, over a period of time, obviously became legendary. Um, it was the primary road to the Southwest for travelers from the Midwest. It was the road of flight documented in Steinbeck's book, the grapes of wrath uh, for uh, people that were displaced in the Dust Bowl era in the 1930s uh, who sought refuge in the land of milk and honey in California, they traveled on Route 66. And uh, if you haven't seen that movie or read the book, that's a big part of the history of this, this old road. In the 1930s, early days of Route 66, people traveled in all kinds of contraptions, old cars, pickup trucks, mattresses strapped to the back of them. Uh, and when they got to the end of their day, they'd pull over to the side of the road, maybe pitch a tent, maybe sleep under a tree, uh, on the ground, who knows? Um, entrepreneurs began setting up camps for people to stay in that were a little bit safer. Maybe they would have water, uh, maybe a place to eat. Uh, those camps grew into tourist courts where there was a a place for the car and a, a bed for your weary travelers. And ultimately that evolved into an actual room with a garage attached. And that became known as what they called a motor court. And in 1939, mm. the Blue Swallow Motel was established. And uh, it was quite the, quite the swanky establishment back in those days, featuring 
individual, uh, you know, bathrooms in the rooms with tiled showers and inner spring mattresses. And it was luxurious for the 1930s. Right. So, so that's a little bit of a background of the, the road and the place that we're at today. So Route 66 was the main road from, uh, I mean, the Midwest to the to the west coast there there wasn't many other options to get there um or was that the easiest option to get to the west coast well it was an all-weather route in that it it traveled you know it cut diagonally down through illinois and got south fairly quickly and then uh it was also known as the lowest elevation crossing to the west of the rockies um so the weather was likely to be better for travel across the country. There were other roads that went transcontinental that were longer, but none of them did this diagonal cross or traveled from the Midwest to the Southwest that Route 66 did. And the other thing about Route 66 that kind of put it up, one, no, the other roads didn't have books written about them and they also didn't have songs right. made about there's them a for, very famous song about route 66 get your kicks on route 66 uh bobby troop wrote that song and nat king cole made it famous along with hundreds of other artists but uh when you have the mystique of uh the main street of america which was their marketing uh program i mean they 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 were um associations of business people that promoted travel on their roads and the route 66 had a very active uh, association and it that main street of america slogan um really resonated with people in the song you know it encouraged people to, to make this trip and get your kicks on route 66 i think i've seen a video of another man making it famous uh i believe <laughs> I believe you made it famous on a Carnival cruise ship in like 1996 or something like that as well. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Do you remember that? I I don't think I attended that cruise. I believe that was just you and mom. I think we oh, stayed with yeah, Cameron was, and I stayed with grandma and grandpa. Yeah, that was before before you, you went on a cruise, but it was a later one. But yeah, they had a talent show. And for some reason that that was uh, the song that popped into my head and I got to perform it on stage in front of about 1500 people on the cruise ship with a live band uh, after one rehearsal. And that was quite a thrill. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So what, you know, there's, there's lots of motels and, and uh, tourist attractions on route 66. Uh, you've seen, you know, you've traveled the road, yeah, a lot. And um, what makes the Blue Swallow special comparative to everything else that's out there? Well, part of it is the fact that it's been in operation continuously for almost 80 years. Um, and that's fairly rare. The fact that it is in its original configuration intact with the cottages and uh, for people to sleep in and garages for people to park their cars in most places that were built around this time if they were built in this style long ago uh, the owners filled the garages in and made more rooms out of them it was the only way to expand if you had a limited amount of property for whatever reason they never did that here and so it's unique architecturally um, in the the way that the building is built the southwest style of the architecture is very cool 
the neon that's um, all over the building makes it magical at night. And then there's the story of the establishment of it, the man who built it and built several other hotels in this town, and the lady that owned it for almost 40 years and kept it alive, got it listed on the National Register of Historic Places. There's very few places on the route or on the U.S. highway system these days that have that combination of um, physical attraction plus an interesting story over the years that uh, has resonated with people. Definitely. Um, So we'll get back to the Blue Swallow in a little bit, but I want to hear more about what you did prior to making the decision to move west. (laughs) Well, um, I guess I spent 27 years in the corporate world, basically, and uh, through various moves around the country, we reinvented ourselves and uh, a couple of times, um, the last, I mean, we moved back to Michigan from California when we decided that lifestyle wasn't for us. And I started a new job with the Valvoline company, um, nearly at minimum wage, working my way up from the, I'd been a district manager with a pretty big responsibilities out in California. And it was a big, uh, big drop <laughs> in my pay and responsibility, but we were in an area that we wanted to be in. I could see the potential for advancement with the company. And so I started uh, changing oil, working in the pit at an oil change, Valvoline Instant Oil Change Quick Lube. And uh, it didn't take me long to become my own store manager. And uh, shortly after that, promoted to a district manager. And we moved with you and your brother around the country Mm -hmm. several times. And each move was an adventure. And that career lasted for 20 years. Uh, and it was a great, great career. I never thought I would ever leave it. Yeah. So tell us about the shocking moment that occurred. <laughs> well, uh, my, my small, the Valvoline company is part of a large company. My small part of that company was sold to a franchisee. And the, the, the shock came when, Um, after a year with this franchisee, these were people that I knew and had worked with for years. They decided that they didn't need me anymore. And uh, the human resources guy and some lackey of his walked into my office and told me I was terminated and I couldn't believe it. Uh, I've never been more shocked in my life. Um, I was, uh, they had moved me into a different position. I was driven home in my company car 50 miles uh, to our house from Lansing, Michigan to Brighton, Michigan. Treated, I felt like I was treated like a criminal and dropped off, and that was it. Mm. 20 years came to a pretty stunning end. Yeah. You put in a lot of work. Uh, you put in a lot of work and put in a ton of investment into that company and to your jobs. Uh, and, oh, at yeah. the en- and at the end, you know, there wasn't much to show wasn't much to show for it. No, it was my life. And I sacrificed time with the family. I worked, you know, I put in a lot of hours, but I never thought of it as work. I was part of my, it was my life and it was everything. Um, I worked in the corporate office. I was, when I was, when I was at my peak before I was terminated, I was running a region with 
60 stores and uh, 500 employees and $33 million in sales. That was a big deal. And uh, I loved every minute of it uh, until the very last second. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, sort of a, a question that pops up, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is getting out of college or has spent a few years in maybe the corporate sector or trying to figure out what their path is, what advice would you give someone that thinks that climbing the corporate ladder and devoting, uh, a, you know, a ton of time into a corporate career, what advice would you give to them now? Well, I can't say that the corporate career was a bad thing for me, but I think it's important for people to not think that that's the only way to go, go to college, get a corporate job, work it for your, you know, till you get your gold watch and get, because that's just not the reality of today's economy. Um, you get to a certain point and you're a liability. You're, you're in the upper percentages of your, the pay scale and somebody younger comes along and, and there's no loyalty. you you can be booted out the door. I think it's important for people who are in college or just out and maybe beginning careers to not limit themselves to traditional pathways for, uh, you know, income generation, whatever you want to call it uh, mm -hmm. for a career. Uh, think outside the box. Uh, think about what are your interests and then find something in your interests that you can make money at. And if you can do that, it may be a corporate job. It may be your own business, but you're going to be happy for a long time. Yes. That is excellent advice. Um, Thanks. So it's 2011. You got, you had just, you know, you'd been driven home. Yeah. Uh, I actually didn't know that, that they drove <laughs> you home from your office, but yeah, I sat know, in the back seat of my company vehicle with the HR guy and his lackey. Yeah. Riding shotgun. Like I was in a prisoner's vehicle. I yeah. mean, it was the most humiliating moment of my, professional life yeah so you're you had just been dropped off back at the house and what you know what's running through your head at that point <laughs> what am i gonna do <laughs> i you know we uh i had a big house we lived a comfortable life thanks to the, my earnings we had uh you know house payment car payments we had uh you were in high school, I guess, getting ready was, to go, or you just started college. I was in my second semester of my freshman year. Second semester I, of freshman year. Yeah, when that's I received why I didn't the know phone it. call. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you weren't there, fortunately, to witness the humility of your dad being dropped off at the house. Yeah. Um, I was pretty distraught, and I, I didn't know how we were going to make ends meet, um, you know, but... Uh, after I got a lot of emotion out of myself that night, the next day, there was a snowstorm, a uh, driving snowstorm that we drove home in. It, I mean, it, a 50-minute drive took almost two hours, and that made that drive that much worse. But the next morning, there was a blanket of snow on the ground, and I didn't have to get up and worry about whether my stores were open or not. I didn't have to worry to make sure we had snow plows uh, out. I got up. And said, wow, the snowfall is beautiful. I went out and shoveled, shoveled my driveway. And uh, 
cleaned off your pacer, which was sitting <laughs> in the driveway. And, you know, I felt strangely at peace. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to ask, it, it, it seems like maybe it was a sense of freedom. Uh, like it, you, weren't, it, you weren't tied anymore to the, the corporate shackles. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I, I, was, I was concerned about how we were going to make ends meet, but that, you know, there was a shock the night before, but uh, at, at that moment, the first morning, it was, it was the first morning in 20 years where I could look at 10 inches of snow and be glad for it. I wasn't worried about whether it was hurting my business or not. In fact, I was hoping it was hurting their business. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's actually that. I mean, it's really amazing. Uh, that's a really great perspective that I think a lot of people, especially the, the morning after, to have oh. to be able to have that perspective of I get to shovel the driveway. You know, yeah. you, you're, the the <laughs> yeah. snow is really beautiful. That's a really that's a uh, that's a very um, awesome perspective that I don't think most people would have. I think most people would be absolutely crushed and, and not have any, you know, there, it would just be depression. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, I mean, so the next piece uh, was, you know, what did you do next? What, uh, what happened next? Well, uh, (laughs) um, reality of course hits you again and you say well what am i going to do i we've got to figure out a way to make money well your mom nancy my wife was still working so we kind of figured our finances how were we gonna make ends meet we had plans at the time to buy a boat a cabin cruiser that we were going to spend the weekends on that summer well i called the guy who I was buying the boat from and told him that I had just lost my job and that I wasn't going to be able to buy the boat. Yep. Uh, thankfully, we had sold another boat, so we had a little income from that. And we kind of figured out what our finances were. And then I started to look and see what kind of jobs were available. I went through the usual kind of job search stuff. Um, you know, today it's probably different, but Monster.com and all of those career sites, I nah, it's pretty know, much ma- the same these days. <laughs> maximized my profile, uh, LinkedIn, and uh, you know, made sure everybody that I knew that was not with the company knew that I was looking for work. And uh, in turning over every stone, really trying to find a job like the one that I had, mm. and and that was really my first. Uh, the first thing that I was trying to do was get back into the same kind of a job. But thankfully after, I think it was a, maybe a couple of weeks, 10 days or so of doing that. And I remember sitting in the office in the house and uh, telling your mom, I said, I, I, none of this stuff is remotely interesting to me. I don't want to do what I was doing before. Mm. And she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I think I want to have my own business. And she said, well, what, what kind of business do you want to do? I said, I have no idea. And she said, well, why don't you take some time and figure out what it is? We can, we'll, we'll be all right. 
take a road trip, get your head together. Mm. Um, and I thought that was a good idea. I've always enjoyed being out on the road. Your brother had, you know, he was graduated and working. And so I got a chance to go visit him. I visited my brother who was in the army and getting ready to get deployed to Iraq. And I went to visit your grandma and grandpa who were in Florida for the winter. This was February. And uh, it was kind of a soul searching journey for me. Uh, yes. The thing that I didn't that I didn't mention was during this time we just figured out how we were going to make things work for a little while while I was trying to get my head together, and your mom got let go from her job in the real estate office, <laughs> mm. and uh, so there we are, both of us unemployed, without a lot of money in the bank. Uh, you know, I had retirement savings that I built up over twenty years, but that's not easy to pull out when you're 48 years old. Right. Substantial penalties for that. So anyway, uh, that was kind of what happened next. So when you're on this road trip, where or what, you know, what, what happened that led you to the, to the decision, well, let's buy a motel on route 66. <laughs> Cause I remember you coming back from, I remember knowing you were on this trip. And then when you came back, it was announced like we're going to go out to New Mexico and check out this motel. And everyone's just kind of like, okay, well, everybody <laughs> was in shock and and you were probably more shocked than anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's not the normal way of things uh, for the, the parents to grow up and leave the nest <laughs> and not only to leave the nest, but to sell it. Yeah. And move away. <laughs> and sell everything in it pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. That was I mean it was a it was an odd thing, but and 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 it's not I don't mean to be corny or anything, but after visiting your brother and my brother and spending a little time with my parents, you know, a lot of time thinking about the future and what do I want to do and, and mm-hmm. Uh, the oddball thing was just one morning out of the blue, I woke up thinking about route 66, hmm. the strangest thing, five o'clock in the morning, wonder what's <laughs> for sale on route 66. <laughs> and I hadn't thought about route 66 since the road trip that you and I and your mom took in 2007, that had yeah. been four, four years before. Yep. And we had fun on that trip and we saw some old motels and we stayed in a few and and I remember stopping at one uh, in this town, uh, just down the street from the Blue Swallow, where we it was for sale. It was closed, and I said, "Let's let's sell everything and move out here. Let me quit my job, and we'll fix this place up." And I vaguely remember me, <laughs> mom, and I saying, looking at you and looking at each other, and saying, "You're insane. You've yes. lost. <laughs> you've lost your marbles." four years before you just you know you made the decision (laughs) yep and i and i you know at that time maybe maybe it was crazy and it might have been crazy four years later but there was really no uh no kick in the pants no motivating force to say that's the right thing to do i just thought this this would be really cool Uh, such a dramatic change of life and you know i wish in many ways that we'd done it then because I would have done it on my own terms and uh, it would have cost us less money 
to buy that place, but it was a dump and it would have taken a lot of money to fix it up. It didn't have the reputation. It wasn't the right situation, you know? Wasn't the right time yet. No, but four years later, when I woke up out of the, you know, and thinking about (laughs) Route 66 all of a sudden, of course, I get online. Five minutes later, I found a listing of properties for sale on Route 66, and some of them were places that we had visited on our 2007 trip. They were things I was familiar with, everything from vacant lots, gas stations, restaurants, motels, uh, you name it. It's on that uh, inventory, Uh, and there was the Blue Swallow Motel, and I waited until I thought it was a reasonable hour and called (laughs) called my wife and said – Hey, look at this place. The Blue Swallow Motel is for sale. Uh, let's buy it. Let's <laughs> let's go out there. And and she was like, "Really, a motel? You got to be kidding me!" All this soul searching, and you've come up with that. I thought was done doing laundry for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thankfully, she encouraged me because I was very excited, and it's the first time that I remember being excited since I had lost my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a lot of excitement about the future and the possibility of, of this endeavor. And so uh, she talked to one of our neighbors and the neighbor said, you know, I know you never imagined yourself as a motel owner, but what do you have to lose to check it out? You, The economy was terrible in 2011. Our neighborhood had homes that had been foreclosed on vacant for over a year. Yep. And she said, you could lose everything. And, and uh, so why not check it out? And so she kind of went along with the idea for a a little while. And we started to pursue the idea um, of moving to New Mexico. Well, that's uh, yeah. And it, it, at a certain point, you just, you, that was, you felt like that was your calling at the time and you made a decision and yeah. she was great and supported it. And, yes. um, so let's fast forward a little bit now Okay. We're, uh, you, you visited and you've made a deal to buy the business. Uh, and now the business is yours and <laughs> you've, you've decided to, you know, you're going to bring it back to some of its former glory and, and renovate and do, you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of stuff that needed to be done. Yeah. Um, so when, when you're going through all these processes and you're doing all these things, uh, how did you handle the marketing aspect of the motel itself? Because it already had a pretty solid reputation for the most part, but what did you do differently to market the motel as your business rather than this is an icon of route 66 that already has a built reputation. Let's just use that and not worry about marketing anymore. Well, there is a lot of benefit in buying a a business or a property that does have a reputation already, or at least is known and, because of the history, thankfully, the Blue Swallow is pretty well known. However, uh, the, the owner who had it before us was also known for a lot of bad things, too. He had 
painted the place in a horrible color and he was letting it get run down and he was not popular in the route 66 community and the locals didn't like him. And, uh, there were, you know, it was just, was, we felt like we looked at the place. It was run down. It looked tired. This guy was a kind of a jerk. If you don't Mm -hmm. mind my saying Mm -hmm. his wife was unenthusiastic and, um, we, the first night we spent here, we came out here and spent five days. The first night we spent here, we, we looked at the property and we looked at these two people that were running and said, if they can do this, we can, we can knock this out of the park. We have all the skills. We know how to take care of customers. We can manage the business and we can perk this place up. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the marketing started as soon as we signed the agreement and went back, got ready to go back to Michigan. The guy that owned the place had thousands of, uh, I don't know, he must have had 20 or 30 boxes of rack cards, information cards, brochures, uh, thousands of them. And we said, hey, can we take some of those and we'll distribute them for you. And so we started passing those out along Route 66 all the way back east. And we didn't tell people that we owned it yet. We just introduced ourselves as customers and guests at the Blue Swallow. We were helping out the owner. And we passed out thousands of those cards on Mm. our way back. When we got home, we had a lot to do. We had to sell our house. We had to have a garage sale. We had to find a place for you to live. We uh, we, we were really busy. Well, in all of that, we bought a trailer which we knew we were going to need out here because Tucumcari is kind of isolated and we figured we'd have to take it to go shopping. And we wanted to, we had motorcycles. We wanted to haul those. And we decorated that trailer in a design advertising the Blue Swallow Motel, the friendliest motel on Route 66. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the neon sign on, the, on all three sides of it, and a map and our phone number, find us on Facebook. I got control of the Facebook page from... Uh, the owner who wasn't doing anything with it. And um, I started this little campaign called where in the world is the blue swallow. And as we were traveling around delivering furniture to family and friends, visiting, we took the trailer with us and we, and all those rack cards and distributed the rack cards and talked to people and uh, took pictures of the uh, trailer in various places around the country and we started to prime the pump we're the new owners this is you know we're getting ready to head out there we're so excited about our opportunity and people bought into that big time we had i went from like i don't know i probably had less than 100 friends on facebook and by the time we moved out here in the middle of june i think i had over 800 friends on facebook people from all over the world who i didn't even know at all but they were so excited about us uh taking over the business they were following us and the blue swallow page really grew and i I think we have around ten thousand followers on it now but it was um a way to inject some energy into it really early right and even though we had a lot going on personally to deal with uh we did have this kind of mini retirement so we had some fun we had some motorcycle trips if you remember doing mother's day yep uh 
you and mom and I rode, uh, had a great, we had fun on our, once we got the, once we got the house sold and had our garage sale, it was just basically waiting to relocate. And while we were doing that, we were using the trailer, delivering furniture. We were running the Facebook page. We were, we were getting the blue swallow out there in the public eye and generating excitement about the new ownership. And, uh, it really, really snowballed. Uh, it's not like we had to, other than to buy the trailer and spending some money to have it wrapped. It's not like we, you know, took out magazine ads and, uh, or, you know, bought radio or whatever. We took advantage of tools that didn't cost anything really, uh, because we didn't have money. Uh, we were in, we've invested our, my whole retirement savings to buy the motel. So we took advantage of the tools that I was familiar with and, and use them for our, our new business. In yeah. my, in my old life, you remember the wrapped cars that we had, uh, that looked like race cars and our company yep. cars, they were all, uh, wrapped in Valvoline racing schemes. They were advertising our business. Um, that was, uh, an idea that I had and it, it ended up going company wide. Almost every company vehicle had a flashy wrap on it that advertised our business follow yeah. me to valvoline instant oil change well we did exactly the same thing <laughs> uh with the blue swallow and even though it was just one little motel out in the middle of nowhere new mexico it it generated a lot of interest and enthusiasm now if we travel somewhere people take pictures of us and they wave at us and they stop us and they post a picture of the truck and trailer on the on our Facebook page and it's uh, it's kind of become a, a thing, but then it was using stuff that I had learned in my 20 years of business experience for myself, which was really motivating to me. I know how to do this. I can make this happen. And people responded. Uh, so it was very, even before we took over the business, there yeah. was a lot of energy about us being here and, then all we had to do was live up to the expectations. Right. Uh, so it was, it was an exciting time really was. Yeah. I, I remember the, the sort of uh, media circus almost. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was, it was always, you know, you guys just dove right into it and really devoted a lot of time to it. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear the different tactics that you use um, to, to put it out there so that's really cool oh the cards i'm a funny thing about the rack cards they had pictures on there of the motel they were not not the greatest pictures we we ended up ultimately had a a new design made but all these rack cards had been produced and literally thousands maybe ten thousand i don't know how many um we didn't want to throw those away even though they had a picture of the guy we bought the place and his partner on them we had stickers made. My cousin was in the printing business and we bought, I don't know, several rolls, thousands of stickers of a picture of Nancy and me. Yeah. Uh, that, and we spent, since we had a lot of spare time, we spent every, we were watching TV at the house and we'd be peeling stickers <laughs> and putting them on those rack cards so that we were distributing ones with our faces on there yeah um and we we used those rack cards until they were all gone i think by the time we got out here um 
traveling on Route 66 to get to the motel, which was a, about a five-day trip, uh, you know, everybody knew there were new owners at the Blue Swallow. Everybody knew who, who we were. Everybody had our rack cards. And um, so it was a, a way to really get things jump-started early on. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it, really, it really energized both of us because we were doing something uh, we weren't just sitting around uh, moping nervous, nervously waiting and, and being, a, yeah. Once, once we, we came out here, we spent our first night and we said, this is what we're going to do. Uh, this is for us. Um, it was a whirlwind after that, but it, if we, you know, if I'd just been waiting to start another corporate job and I had two weeks or three weeks sitting around, that would have been, that would have been a nightmare this, this way we were doing work to help ourselves and our new business. Yep, exactly. You were building, you were building something for you and not for somebody else. That was very exciting, very liberating. So there's a term that, is, that I've seen in the Route 66 community. It's called uh, being an ambassador of the road. Uh, can mm-hmm. you give me, and, and I've seen, you know, you and mom have been, have been, you know, described as ambassadors of the road. So can you give me a short description of what that is and what it means? I think being an ambassador of the road, being the owners of an icon, one of the most well-known places on Route 66, you you need to uh, take a leadership role and promote, help promote the road, the other people on it, and to help make every traveler, traveler's experience the best that it can be. Because Mm. you're not only building your business, you're building traffic and this tourist attraction that is a 2,400 mile road Mm -hmm. that people from all over the world are coming to see. So you want somebody who visits from Germany to have the most wonderful experience they can. And they go back and tell their friends to come over and, you know, do a route 66 trip. It's very expensive to do, but hundreds of thousands of people are doing it. It's grown every year uh, and is really uh, a big boost to the economy. So you have this responsibility to your own business, but also to help because the blue swallow is successful. You, you have an almost an obligation to help, other people by saying, okay, uh, you enjoyed our place. Uh, where are you going tomorrow night? Right. Uh, well, we're, we're going to be in Santa Fe. Well, here's a place that, that we know has a nice family that own it. Uh, go and stay at the silver saddle motel. You'll really like it. And, mm-hmm. um, that's how this community, uh, sort of grows on this route. We've gotten to know motel owners, restaurant owners, attraction operators, uh, all up and down from Illinois to California and all over the world with uh, car tour people and motorcycle tour people and um, RV people and travel agents. And we're always not just selling our place, but this whole experience, um, this immersion into the mystique and adventure of the open road that is a trip on route 66 
I think what's really interesting about Route 66 is people that don't live in this country know more a lot of times than the people that do live here. Um, and it seems like when people think of Route 66 in America, so, you know, a lot of people, especially uh, the younger generations, they don't even really know what it is. Um, <laughs> and I think you can attest to the excitement that the, the foreigners all pretty much share but then the the very different attitude that a lot of Americans have about the Route 66 establishments in the community, you know, the 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 no tell motels and <laughs> the the Bates Motel type reputation that a lot of mom and pop owned yes. uh, small businesses have. So and I, I think you guys experience that all the time. Um, we, de- we definitely do. I think uh, y- you find. um that we have found over the eight years that we've been here that the dynamic is shifting a little bit more Americans. It's, it's really European or internationally driven or has been this rebirth of route 66, but because of the, um, the success of the cars, series of movies that's based on this little town of radiator springs that's uh, you know was bypassed by the interstate and traffic dried up on route 66 and these little businesses the cozy cone motel and you know uh the gas station and all of that you know trying to eke out a living on this little town uh little kids saw that movie in 2006 and now those little kids are uh, young adults, uh, or, you know, they're in their late teens and they're interested in seeing the real thing. Mm. And so we've seen a, a real turn in, uh, interest from Americans who are engaging and learning, which is really encouraging Right. Uh, they've seen they've seen the cartoon. They've you know they've gotten the message that's in Cars for Adults, which is this. There's this whole way of life off the interstate. Get off and discover uh, these little places that are still there, and um, it can be very enriching. So uh, that's that was kind of the you know the talking cars aside and all the comedy that's in Cars. There's this underlying message about a whole different life that's waiting for you, um, you know, off the interstate. Slow down and experience what's right in front of you. Yes. And that, that was a powerful message for us coming out here. Uh, it resonated with us. Um, my wife and I, I felt like uh, that was what we were living that we were, we were doing it we were almost living the movie and, yeah. uh, so uh, we watched it a lot, and uh, but it's it's great to see more Americans. It, the European interest continues to grow. There's more travelers from every country. It's it's been it's been amazing. But what is really uh, satisfying is seeing more and more of our business each year, uh, Americans and young families, that is, kids. Yeah, and that they, is they, awesome they recognize this place as looking like they know that there's things in at the motel that inspired things in the movie, 
but they see the neon and they see the the they're out on the, they see this fabulous scenery of route 66 and they recognize that as hey that's just like in the yeah in the movie and yeah. um they're very excited to be here um living it for real yeah definitely so a couple uh quick couple more quick questions uh All right. what has been the best part of either living in new mexico or running the motel itself <laughs> well we uh i think the most amazing thing about running the motel has been um meeting meeting people from all over the world i think it was quite a quite an enlightening thing to come out here at a time when there's a lot of turmoil around the world there's a lot of anti-american rhetoric out there and to come to a place like this in the middle of nowhere where people from all over the world every culture universally in love with this road it it lets you know that there is there's there's this bond that brings people together and it as corny as it is it's this experience of travel on the road that brings people together when we see people gathered outside uh on a summer night sitting under the neon and there's people from Australia and England and Germany and Australia and Japan. Um, there might be six or seven countries, and they're all engaged with each other, talking about what they've seen, what they've done. They're not talking about terrorism. They're not talking about. They're not talking about the economy, and they're not talking about their what stupid thing their president did or yeah. what you know. Uh, whatever. They're talking about what's important in their lives and what their experiences yeah they're sharing their experiences and they're sharing this uh they're making new friends from all over the world they're engaged with people and those seeing that and participating in that has been uh the best thing about this experience um i'll tell you do i have time to tell you a quick story sure (laughs) we had we had a group of russians here we had a a tour group that would bring um, mostly young people from Russia on Route 66. And they did a, a number of tours for a couple of years. And they they filled a lot of rooms, and it was great for business, but they were always kind of difficult to deal with. And we weren't always looking forward to them coming because the language was barrier was very difficult with them. They always arrived late. We always had to stay <laughs> up and wait for them. And uh, we didn't think, we never connected with them. Well, one day we had a group of Russian tourists who were different. And instead of arriving late, they arrived early enough and they said, can we bu- use your fire pit? We would like to cook dinner and we want you guys to come and join us. And they said, uh, Hector here, he's a, uh, the cooker of meat in his village. uh, (laughs) He's a doctor and he's known in his village for being this barbecue man. So they go to our local grocery store and they, they gather out by the fire and they, they start making a meal and they invite us out there and they have smuggled Russian vodka and uh, (laughs) they have a bottle of Jack Daniels and the food 
that they had created was absolutely incredible. And we sat out that night at the picnic tables, enjoying, uh, we're like, you bought this food at our grocery store. Right. We could not, we could not believe it. And we sat socializing with them and drinking with them and, uh, toasting with them. And we were best of friends. And it was a magical night that totally changed our perception of, okay, now we were looking forward to people from Russia coming. Yeah. Uh, we had bonded with them in a way that we didn't expect at all. And that was one of my favorite nights that we've ever had here was that night with that group of a dozen Russians drinking shots of smuggled vodka and eating pork steak off of the grill that this guy had made. It was amazing. Yeah, I think one of my favorite experiences at the motel was uh, having one too many drinks with a group of Dutch motorcyclists and teaching them how to make s'mores Oh yes, and just staying up and, and talking to them about whatever. Uh, and just, yeah. it, that was, that was the, probably my most favorite experience was the, the Dutch motorcycle group. Um, yeah. We've taught a lot of people from around the world, how to make s'mores. That's, yeah, that's, it's, that's become a thing for us. It's an excellent <laughs> skill to teach somebody. Um, what so this is a question we ask every guest guest that we have on here uh what does being a warrior mean to you because this is the weekly warrior podcast right right uh i had to give this some thought and relate it to my experience mostly i think since coming out here but it also applies to i guess my outlook on my life's work if you will is that you you have to go at it without fear and not be afraid to reinvent yourself. Mm. Um, don't, don't, you, there's obstacles that are going to be thrown at you all the time in your life, your career. And um, you take those as challenges and don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. I think that's, that's the most, the, to me, that's what it's all about. Taking the challenge, coming up with some different way to face that challenge than what you've done before. If I had just gone into, gotten some bland middle management corporate job again, my life would have been much poorer over the last eight years. Instead, I said, I'm not going to do that. I, this is my opportunity to do something different. Yeah. And um, I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm going at it full bore. And um, when you take that approach and put your energy towards stuff presents itself to you and you just go for it. Yeah. That's... And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's been a great experience for me, my wife, for our son, our, your brother who worked with us. For you, I think it's been a great thing for the whole family for us to have owned this. It hasn't been easy all the time. No. But nothing nothing ever is. Um, but you persevere. You think of a new idea. You go at it from a different angle. Um, don't think that just because you're in college now that you got to come out and get a corporate job and sit behind a desk for the next 20 years. Yes. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you'd rather have your own business and – Maybe you want to run a motel on Route 66. So uh, find somebody who will 
uh, invest in you, sell yourself and, and do it. Uh, maybe it's not a motel. Maybe it's a hamburger stand. Maybe it's a curio shop. Maybe it's who knows what, a, what other business, maybe you want to, you know, have a bicycle shop and you know, if, if you want to do that and, instead of sitting behind a desk, go for it. There's ways to make it happen if you choose to do that. Yeah, that's so awesome. Don't, don't have fear, uh, have a lot of confidence and go at it. That's perfect. So last question, and everyone wants to know, this was brought on by my fellow podcast hosts. <laughs> okay. Red or green? Definitely green. <laughs> Definitely green, huh? Are you talking about the question that you get asked in New Mexico and nowhere else? Red or green chili is the question that gets asked, and we were dying to know what your answer was. So there's there's nothing like New Mexico green chilies, whether I, it's in your whether it's in your uh, uh, milkshake, on your enchiladas, in your beer, in your beer, it's in everything. But there's uh, literally, folks, if you have not had a New Mexico green chili cheeseburger, you have missed out on one of life's richest experiences. Bones did say that if you didn't say Christmas, you would be pretty disappointed. But... <laughs> sorry, well, buddy, you're cr- going to have to be disappointed. Yeah, sorry, Christmas is for, <laughs> Christmas is for tourists. Yes, yeah, that's right. You, a true New Mexican knows which one he wants. Right, exactly. All right. Well, I think that wraps it all up. Really appreciate you being on today. That was a really, really insightful episode, and we uh, are very appreciative for you being on here. Well, thanks for having me, Corey. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Wow, what an episode, everyone. Major takeaway. Don't be afraid to reinvent yourself and go at it full bore and with no fear. Go on to Facebook and give the Blue Swallow Motel Facebook page a like, see what the awesome things they're doing are. And maybe it's time for you to plan a life-changing road trip on Route 66. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll see you next week when we discover the warrior within. (music) 